Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Are you having a hard time controlling the way you eat? Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous is a recovery program for people who suffer from food obsession, overeating, bulimia and undereating. FA is free and open to all women, men and teens that want to stop eating addictively. For a list of regular weekly meetings in the Melbourne area, visit foodaddicts.org. Welcome listeners, you're tuned in to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, or maybe you're streaming online at 3cr.org.au. My name's Rose and I'm here with my colleague Kathleen. Today we're joined by Felice Jacker, Associate Professor at Deakin University. Felice is President of the International Society for Nutritional Psychiatry Research and of the Australian Alliance for the Prevention of Mental Disorders. Today we're having a bit of a chat about the role of diet in mood disorders. So my area of research um, that I lead internationally focuses on the possible role of nutrition in mental health. But I look at more, take more of a population health approach and look at, uh, you know, the way people eat in general, um, habitual dietary patterns and their link with mental disorder. That's fantastic. It seems like it has a wider um, public health approach rather than a, a clinical research perspective. That's right. We are doing clinical research as well. We've just finished recruitment on the world's first trial to actually look at dietary improvement as a treatment strategy for major depression. So we'll have the results of that hopefully within uh, a few months. Amazing. So is that a direct intervention, dietary intervention? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Cool. Uh, And what research uh, institution was that with? the Murdoch Children's Research Centre and the University of Melbourne as well. Um, So what sparked your interest in in diet specifically and its role in mood disorders? Um, When I came into psychiatry research, I was quite intrigued to find that there was no research that had looked at the relationship between nutrition and mental health. There were a few small studies that looked at um, individual nutrients as supplements uh, you know, folate, etc., but nothing that really looked at whole diet and uh, the possible role of habitual diet in mental disorder. And I thought this was really um, interesting that there was such a lack because we know that there's a lot of dysregulated pathways, I guess, that are similar for depression and things such as cardiovascular disease. And depression and cardiovascular disease have a strong bidirectional relationship, so does obesity and depression. Um, so does um, 
you know, type 2 diabetes and depression. So I was really intrigued to realise that there was no research that had looked at the possible role of diet in mental health. And at that time, there was a lot of research being done in the US looking at uh, aspects of unhealthy foods um, and their impact on the brain and particular proteins in the brain that were highly relevant to mood disorders. So there were a number of reasons uh, why I thought it was really important to actually look at this, and that's what I did my PhD on. It seems timely as well because there's been a lot of research coming out about the level of serotonin in the uh, intestinal tract, I believe. Is that right? Um, yes. Look, there's a lot of research and a lot of interest now in the possible role of gut microbiota in mood and behaviour. So we're, you know, many researchers now all over the world, many parts of medicine that are looking at gut microbiota. It's only in the last, uh, relatively recently, that we've been able to really characterise the gut microbiota using advanced gene sequencing technologies. And now we're starting to recognise that the gut microbiota that we all have um, are absolutely central in driving um, metabolism, body weight, immune function, and early brain development, and we also think mood and behaviour. The fact that diet is one of the key things that impacts on gut microbiota, composition, diversity, activity, very profoundly and very quickly means that uh, we're really focusing on the gut microbiota as the most likely pathway um, by which diet might influence uh, and exert its influence on mental health. Incredible. Um, and going back to uh, unhealthy diet patterns, what links have you found um, between, say, highly processed food uh, and mood outcomes? Well, there's two aspects to diet. So one is if you're not getting enough of the good stuff, so foods high in nutrients and fibre, etc. The other is if you're having too much of the unhealthy stuff, so um, processed foods high in uh, fats and refined carbohydrates, etc. Now, both of these independently have been linked with uh, an increased likelihood or risk of having depression or depressive disorders, anxiety disorders as well. And of course, there's an emerging field that really is looking at this in regards to dementia and Alzheimer's, um, as well as common mental disorders. So now, about five years since the first studies were published in this field, we have a very large body of evidence right across the globe, across countries, across cultures and across age groups that tells us either not enough of the good stuff or too much of the bad stuff, quite independently, are both really noxious to mental health. Wow. So um, across the different cultural groups, what are some of the trends that you've seen? Well, we've seen this um, association between poor diet quality and an increased likelihood or risk for depression in particular um, in Australia, Norway, Spain, China, uh, Japan, the UK, the US, really right across Europe, um, fairly pretty much any of the uh, Western countries that you can think of, we've shown that association. Um, and as I said, we've seen it across age groups as well. So in children, in adolescents, adults, and in older adults, diet seems to be very important to mental health. Uh, and in fact, 2013, we led the first study to show that mum's diet during pregnancy is related to children's mental health in the first years of life and children's diets are also seem to be uh, important to their own mental health and this has since been replicated by a couple of other large studies internationally.
And of course those um, parental eating patterns set the tone for children as they grow older. That's right, um, but we also, there's a very large field of research that looks at the possible impact of maternal diet on brain development um, using animals, you know, in animal studies and showing that unhealthy food components during pregnancy impact on uh, the development of the brain, basically, and alter a whole range of pathways, including neurotransmitter systems um, that persist into adulthood in the offspring. Something that surprised me when you were speaking just then was... uh your mention of Spain and Japan, I guess those are countries that have diets that I would associate with um, quite healthy, um, mm-hmm. yeah, healthy trends. And maybe that's my own personal misconception. I think within any country you get a range of people in terms of the, the, the quality of their diets. So within Japan you can get people who have a much more healthy traditional Japanese diet, you know, with lots of vegetables and fish and uh, seaweed and then you'll also get people who are eating far more processed foods and you know less of the the good stuff and that's the same in Spain too you've got more traditional Mediterranean type diet but you've also got a more unhealthy modern type diet and so within each country you'll have a range in terms of the diet quality. Sounds like uh, getting in touch with your your traditional cultural background could be benefit to your mental health. Um, yeah well that's right and One of the interesting things about all the new gut microbiota research is the role of fermented foods. And, of course, fermented foods form part of many traditional dietary patterns. So things like in Europe, things such as sauerkraut, you know, the fermented cabbages. Uh, In uh, Korea, kimchi. Uh, In Japan, you've got miso, tempeh, even soy sauce. Um, And now we're seeing, you know, kombucha, kimchi, Uh, kefir, all of these fermented foods, many of which formed part of um, traditional diets, are being taken for their health benefits and there's a good reason for that. You know, they're full of bacteria which help to populate the gut with uh, good healthy bacteria. Could we extend that to, um, to more popular fermented drinks like beer or is that lacking in those bacteria? Yeah, we have, we've having quite a few conversations about whether alcohol counts as a fermented food. <laughs> Unfortunately, look, there probably is some healthful bacteria left, but the alcohol does a pretty good job of killing them. Killing it off, bummer. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, so in your research that you've mentioned uh, the Mediterranean diet, would you be able to elaborate and tell us more about that? Yeah, the Mediterranean diet is probably the most well-researched, healthful way of eating. And, you know, a traditional Mediterranean diet is very high in plant foods, so lots of different uh, vegetables um, and wild greens, fruit, lots of legumes, nuts, um, foods that we know are really healthful. Um, Also fish and uh, olive oil, which is very healthful, And also balsamic vinegar, which is interesting. So we're increasingly understanding, and it's back to those old wives' stories about vinegar being good for your health. But (laughs) it actually, again, comes back to the gut and gut microbiota. And um, vinegar is um, a very good way of manufacturing some of the short-chain fatty acids that are similar to the ones that the gut microbiota manufacture that drive the immune system and help immune function. Okay, excellent. And I also have another question. If someone was interested in changing their diet to become 
um, to improve their mental health? What would um, they need to do? How would they go about it? Well, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, we're running the first study to actually see whether that's true, to see whether if you're depressed and you improve your diet, whether or not that improves your mental health. So we certainly think that it will do, but there's actually no research yet to show that that's the case. So we're running that trial as we speak, that uh, the, the findings from that should be available hopefully before the end of the year. But if someone wanting to improve their diet and, um, you know, to see if it does help their mental health, it's really a matter of following the recommendations. I mean, we know what a healthful diet involves. It involves increasing your intake of plant foods, so vegetables, salads, fruits, legumes such as chickpeas, lentils, etc., nuts, raw nuts, um, whole grain, fish, lean red meats, um, olive oil, quality vinegar, and getting some fermented food into your diet if you can. Being on fibre is probably the easiest way to conceptualise all of that. I've had real trouble with fibre. Can you run down some, um, like, what the sources of fibre are? Because I think, like multi-grain bread um, supplements, but I'm really racking my brain past that and nuts. Oh, well, <laughs> vegetables, any vegetables, salads, fruits, they all have fibre, so plant foods, nuts, whole grains. Um, um, what else has fibre? I mean, pretty much anything, if it comes from a plant, has got fibre in it. There's some fibres that we think of are really important, particularly for the gut, so... Things that are found in onions and, and leeks. Um, but there's many sources of fibre, but they're pretty much all from plant food. And just thinking ahead, I know you're still in the early stages of your research, but how would a dietary uh, intervention work in a, in a medical model? Where would it fit in with, I'm going to see the GP for depression mm -hmm. and he's talking to me about treatment Look, options? This is a really great question and one of the things that we're exploring is that uh, when people come into the doctor's surgery with um, depression or depressed mood, that some of them may choose to go and see a dietitian to actually learn and to get support for improving their diet. So just as you might go and see a, a psychologist for a few sessions, you might go and see a dietitian for a few sessions to get some help with improving your diet. That's something that may be a possible outcome of the research that we're doing. Fantastic. Um it sounds like you're doing really great work. Do you have any idea of where it might be published in the coming months? Oh, look, we're, we're publishing things all the time. Um, the results of the the RCT should hopefully be available towards the end of the year. It remains to be seen where they get published, but hopefully in an important journal. <laughs> um, <laughs> in 2013, I set up the International Society for Nutritional Psychiatry Research, We've now got more than 200 members from across the globe um, and I've just come back from the US where we're planning our first international conference in Washington next year. So I think that that's going to be uh, big. It's going to be very well attended. Many people are interested in this, uh, both scientists but also clinicians. So we'll offer workshops, for example, for psychiatrists and psychologists who might want to learn a little bit more about nutrition and how they might apply that in their practice and then for dietitians to learn a bit more about mental health and the sorts of challenges that they may face if they deal with patients with mental disorders. We're also, of course, um, supporting research in many different fields, and one of the things we want to focus on next is schizophrenia and psychosis. 
uh, possible role of food allergy, possible role of different types of diets in psychosis. So there's a huge amount of work to be done and really the field's in its infancy but we've come a long way in five years and um, now we can confidently say that you know, the quality of your diet is most definitely related to your mental health, especially depression. Um, it doesn't seem to be explained by reverse causality. That is, when you're depressed, we know you eat differently, but that doesn't seem to explain the relationships that we see. Equally, it's not explained by people's socioeconomic status, educational level, etc. So we think that there's good reason uh, to believe that diet is important for mental health, just as it is for physical health. Wow, certainly sounds like there's a lot of work to be done. Good luck. Yeah. I'm really proud to um, to have had an Australian set that up. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. And a woman. Yeah. <laughs> female scientist. Women in science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, just one cheeky little question. I was just having a read through your bio on the Deacon page and I noticed you mm-hmm. had um, some funding from a, a meat organisation in Australia. Mm-hmm. Are you worried at all about uh, bias in your research? Yeah, look, I think it's a really important issue right across medical research. It's it's a critical one. It's very difficult to know what to do in the current climate, particularly, you know, we've seen research funding oh, being success slashed, rates yeah. go from, you know, nearly 25% two years ago to this year anticipated about 10%. Gosh. Now, that's a massive adjustment in a very short space of time, and it's fair to say that it's it's really decimating the uh, research sector in Australia. Mm. Um, and people are scrambling to get money. Yeah, we'll get they the can. money where you can, yep, definitely. No, that's right. Meat and Livestock Board have been terrific, actually. Um, the funding arrangement came about because I, well, it was quite accidental, I guess. Um, it wasn't, I, it certainly went against my hypothesis at the time, but when I was doing my PhD, I found that the strongest food aspects of food that were associated with mental health were lean red meats. Mm. And as a vegetarian, I was really quite surprised by that. It wasn't what I had anticipated. Mm. So we looked at it in more detail and we found a very clear U-shaped relationship so that people who had less than or more than the recommended amount of red meat were twice as likely to have a mental disorder. And it also, that was in accordance with our emerging understanding about the role of zinc in mental disorder and also vitamin B and iron. So the Meat and Livestock Board are funding us to look at zinc and iron and its relationship to mental disorder in our, um, in our trial. And um, I think that that's an important investigation because we need to kind of understand what's driving that association because it may point to something really fundamental about mental disorders that we need to understand. Fantastic. That's um, really balanced of them. I, um, I would have assumed, probably wrongly, that they would have been pushing you to, to support re- red meat consumption specifically further in your research, but it's great to see that they're um, paying attention to the specific findings. Mm. They're interested in, and I mean, this makes sense, is pushing this idea of whole foods, that, mm. you know, people get back to doing their cooking at home and making meals, because if you do that, you're going to increase your, your health, you're going to improve your health in general. So that accords with our push as well. For sure, getting nature, uh, food as nature intended it in this whole package. Um, yeah, exactly. Look, really, uh, the point with this research is to say that, you know, we know that the way diets have changed across the globe as a function of the changing food environment, as a function in turn of, you know, globalisation of the food industry and the rise of the multinationals has meant that the, the health of the world's population has been really severely affected 
And now it looks like mental health is also a consequence of the dietary changes. Now, if we add the burden of mental disorder, which we know is the, uh, accounts for the leading burden of disability globally, if we add that burden to what's already accounted for uh, in terms of um, health disease such as heart disease, diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome that arise from unhealthy foods, we're talking about an absolute tidal wave of ill health that is uh, a consequence of the way our food systems have changed. And the fact that uh, the multinational food industry globally is larger and more powerful than any government anywhere um, means that no governments anywhere have been able to address the activities of the food industry, rein in the marketing, the ubiquity, the cheap prices, etc., of these food products that are actually really poisoning uh, so much of the world's population. And the fact that mental disorder is also a consequence of poor diet just points to the increasing urgency and importance of addressing the food industry and to, to develop policy that addresses the unhealthy food consumption in the community. Thank you so much for being part of the force fighting against that. It's really brave and it's really overwhelming for me to think about, but I'm glad there's people like you working on it. Thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. And thank you so much for, um, for uh, sitting for an interview with us today. Um, we oh, really, really, really appreciate it. That's about it today. You can read more about Felice Jacker's research online and you can listen to our podcast at 3cr.org.au and on the iTunes store. Send us your feedback and thoughts or just get in contact, especially if you have a story, suggestion or topic you'd like us to share. Email us at brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in to 3CR next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists coming up next on 3CR. Until next week, it's goodbye from the team at Brainwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.